0: Now, as we talk about, okay, why has the type of Christianity we've been practicing hasn't changed our nation when it comes to the issue of morality? We don't see a nation getting closer to God, and we don't see a nation that is developing, getting closer, uh, developing godly character. I mean, we see a nation that is drifting away from the standard of morality that is defined in your Bible. Now, as we talk about this, why the type of Christianity we've been practicing uh, hasn't changed our country, the morality of our country more, I think it's important to understand and ask the question, okay, what has been the message of mainstream Christianity over the past 50 or 100 years? Is it the message that applies to your society. You see, it's critical that the clergy, the 450,000 churches, the 650,000 preachers that that are in America, it's 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 critical that you evaluate your audience. In other words, what is the typical American audience and what message do I build for them, especially when it comes to the subject of evangelism? getting people to come to repentance, getting people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, what is the message that I need to preach? In other words, if you don't know your audience, you will end up giving the wrong message. You'll you'll give a message that doesn't really fit your society. And I think we've been giving America, the clergy have been giving America the wrong message Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think the right message is, would be for America? Well, consider what the Bible says about the end time. The, as we get near the return of Christ, which, you know, I personally believe that we're near there because mankind's history goes back to about 6,000 years and of humanity And we're nearing that return of Christ, the seventh day or the 7,000 years or the seventh Sabbath, the Sabbath, which pictures the millennial reign of Christ on this earth. We're getting near there. So mankind has been on the earth for 6,000 years and we are nearer to the return of Christ than the apostle Paul was 2,000 years ago. So the Bible speaks to the issue, the times in which we live. Second Timothy 3 and verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Okay, this is the society. Now, the question is, what kind of a message does this society need to hear? Well, I think the answer to that question is the issue of rebellion. America has a problem with being disobedient. The issue is rebellion is the problem that we need to address. In other words, Isaiah in Isaiah 58 and verse 1 will say, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trump, and show my people their transgressions. Wow you mean this is what we're supposed to be doing? You mean to tell me this is what the clergy is supposed to be doing? You mean to tell me this is what the 450,000 churches that dot the landscape of America, the 650,000 preachers, you mean to tell me this is what we need to be doing because we live in a disobedient, rebellious society? You mean to tell me this is what we need to be doing? This is the message that needs to go out? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Now, you might ask, okay, Well, why would the clergy not want to do this? Show my people their sins. Well, if you're not living up to God's standards yourself, if you're not living up to, as a minister, God's standard of morality, you know, if you're having an affair, as you sometimes hear ministers getting caught, you know, on TV, television, evangelists uh, screwing around or whatever, I'm okay. If you're not living up to God's standard yourself, then it's going to be hard for you to do this to lift up your voice like a trump and show my people their sins. Another point is, when you study the Old Testament prophets, the ones that did this, they were all killed. And another thing to consider is that God never sent an Old Testament prophet to tell Israel how good they were doing. He never sent them to pat them on the back and say, you people are doing such a wonderful job of living out your morality. No, he never sent a prophet prophet, to tell them how good they were doing. So what is the message that America needs to hear today? You know, Jesus knew his audience. I was talking about it's important that you know your audience. It's important that we know what is the message that this nation needs to hear. Well, one thing I can guarantee you is that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, knew his audience. The problem was that the problem that existed back then, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus walked this earth, was a little bit different than we have today. There was an issue of what we would call legalism that existed with the jews the pharisees the religious ilk of jesus days they had they were you know they they believed in the law of god the they kept the law of god and they had something called the oral law referred to by jesus as the tradition of the elders and i I want to explain this a little bit in mark 7 and verse 5 says then the pharisees and the scribes asked him why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders now that little phrase tradition of the elders is a direct reference to the oral law that existed when Jesus walked the earth now let me explain how it worked the pharisees you know the commandments of god the 10 commandments it was they were not enough i mean the 10 commandments are pretty simplistic when you think about it and they wanted to know okay every nuance of what I can and cannot do. They wanted everything defined. They wanted every decision laid out for them. And if they kept this, in other words, the oral law was fence building around the Ten Commandments. And they came up with their own tradition that explained what it meant to keep each one of the Ten Commandments. For example, the Sabbath day. That's a very simplistic commandment. Rest. Stop working, disconnect from your busy life, and connect with God. That's a very simplistic commandment. But but they wanted to know, okay, what can we do on the Sabbath? And so, with their oral law, their traditions, they said, okay, you can walk this far on the Sabbath, but if you walk this this far, you're sinning. You can pick a uh, a few grapes off the vine and eat them on the Sabbath, but if you pick a cluster. That's harvesting. And so you remember they accused Jesus, disciples, of harvesting. They were walking through a field of corn, and they were eating some kernels of corn. And the disciples said, look, it's it, your disciples are doing that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. Now, what are they talking about? Where does it say you can't pop a few kernels of corn in your mouth and eat them on a Sabbath day? Well, it doesn't say that. They were breaking their oral tradition, the oral law. It was their Tradition. Now understand this. It was their tradition. And so, with each one of the Ten Commandments, they had built fences around that explained everything that you could and could not do. And it actually made Well, for example, it made Sabbath-keeping a miserable experience because you didn't know whether you could even stick your head outside the door or not and look outside. You know, maybe making love to your wife was too much work on the Sabbath. And so they had all these restrictions of things you could and could not do. But that was the way they achieved their self-righteousness. That was the way they were made right in their eyes. It was by if they kept this oral tradition the oral law, which was fence building around the law of God, if they kept that perfectly, they could achieve their own righteousness. And so this was the issue when Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago. It was an issue of legalism that Jesus came smack right up against. It was not so much an, an issue, you know, there's always been rebellion, but as far as the religious establishment was concerned, it was an issue of legal Legalism was the problem that Jesus came into, going about to establish, to be justified with God by their works, by obedience. That was the issue back then. And so with this oral law, you know, there's another passage in, in Mark 7 and verse 9 where Jesus said, and to them full well you reject the commandments of god that you may keep your own tradition now there is a reference again your own tradition the oral law the tradition of the elders and and what jesus was saying is you're actually rejecting the commandments the ten commandments that you may keep your interpretation your fence building around each one of the ten commandments and he goes on to explain what he was talking about he said moses said honor your father and mother And whosoever curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift by whosoever thou might be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother, making the word of God of none effect, making the Ten Commandments of no effect, through or by your tradition traditions now what is this talking about what is this word corbin well let me try to explain it it was okay the commandment says honor your father and mother when they get old take care honor your father and mother and so with the pharisees with their tradition they had a the oral law they had a tradition that said okay the money that you set aside to take care of your elderly parents if you will if you decide to give that to the temple the treasury, you can be free from the responsibility of taking care of your parents. Now, I mean, this is what this is the emphasis on the word Corbin here. And it's 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 crazy when you think about it. What do you mean be free from the responsibility? But this was part of their tradition. And Jesus comes along and just blasts them. What Jesus did was he did away with If you want to know what law Jesus did away with, it was their oral tradition of the law. It was the fence building around the law. And, of course, that's what Jesus did away with, and it got him killed. Because, you see, by this time, they had put their oral law, the tradition of the elders, on a par with the Ten Commandments. If anything, it went beyond the Ten Commandments, because it explained everything. And so they had put that on a par with the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, Jesus comes along and it says, away with it, dismisses it. And of course, it got him killed. Now, what I think a lot of people do is when they, they don't have this understanding that I'm explaining today about what existed in the days of Jesus, the oral law, they don't quite understand that. Well, they might understand that, yeah, legalism was the problem. As they read the scripture, you know, like Colossians 2 and verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the tradition of men, you know, there again is a direct reference to this oral law that existed in Jesus' day. But when they read Paul and his words about the law of God, they think he's doing away with the Ten Commandments. Now, that in itself doesn't even make any sense, that God would give a law and then do away with it. That just doesn't make any sense. But most, uh, the clergy, a lot of the clergy don't understand that it was not the Ten Commandments. It was not the law of God that is being done away with. It was this oral law, which they used as you know fence building around the Ten Commandments, that they used to achieve their justification, to achieve their self-righteousness. That's what Jesus dismissed. And, And unless you understand that, you will read your Bible, and you will read it in the mindset of that. In other words, you need this understanding to filter through the Word of God because often preachers will make the law of God look bad. And you'll read it, and it will sound like your preacher is saying that the law's been done away with, that it's been nailed to the cross, it's, it's, it's been all fulfilled, and they don't have the background knowledge that they need to... That, that what existed in Jesus' day, they don't have that background knowledge of the oral law or the tradition of the elders that existed in Jesus' day. And so as you listen to preachers, it sounds like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. And in one side, they're saying the law is good and we should keep it. And then another side of their mouth, they're saying it's been done away, fulfilled, abolished, and nailed to the cross. And it just doesn't make any sense. But the reason you have that confusion is because they don't have the understanding of what existed in Jesus' day, the oral law, the tradition of the elders. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this. This was an issue 2,000 years ago, legalism. Now, the question is, it's almost as if preachers today still think legalism is the problem. No, that was the problem that existed 2,000 years ago. Today, the problem is not legalism. Today the pro- I mean if you were to survey a hundred thousand Christians and say, do you believe you can get right by your by works of the law? I mean how many of them would say, yeah, that's how I believe I can get right with God. No, most Christians understand the concept of grace that it is that you're justified by faith, by grace by God's grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. I would say you know uh, probably close to hundred percent understand that you don't have a society of legalism today, at least not in America, I can guarantee you that. So the problem today is not legalism, the problem is rebellion. And so I talked about if you don't know your audience, you will end up just wasting your time with a religious message that doesn't fit your society you'll go through the merry-go-round of Christianity, you know, just just busying yourself to death while your nation dies right before your eyes. You got all these people being religious, going to church and and all of the activity that goes on, the merry-go-round of churchianity. And yet your nation is dying before your eyes. Why is that? It's because we haven't given our nation the correct message. If you give our nation a message of legalism and say don't go be- don't you dare try to, you know not of works lest any man should boast you know just just believe just accept just give your hand to the preacher and your heart to the lord and don't you dare you know it's not, not of works lest any man should boast just faith just believe and you address our nation as though legalism is the problem well that's not going to work you have to realize no america's problem is rebellion and we need to address what America's problem is, and that is rebellion. The problem is not legalism. The problem is rebellion. There needs to be a return to the preaching of the role of the law of God. The role of the law of God is simply to define what is sin. The law cannot save you. The law doesn't make you right. The law doesn't justify you. That's not the role of the law. It can't do those things. It just clearly defines what is sin and I've given this analogy of the police officer you know that you have this intersection where people keep running a stop sign and they just keep running the stop sign running the stop sign and and so the police officer comes out there and he says I know what I'll do I'll cut the stop sign down and that's sort of the approach that preachers and and the clergy has taken you know let's deal with this issue of of rebellion by just Cutting the stop sign down let's let's uh, do away with the law, let's preach that the law has been done away with. well that's not the correct answer. so there needs to be a return of preaching about conviction of uh, to the law of God. you know there needs, now here's the thing there was a time if we went back in history there was there was a time when preachers understood the proper role of the law. Listen to these quotes. Martin Luther said this. He said, The first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and to show the nature of sin. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, They will never accept grace. Notice this. They will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and holy law. Charles Finney said, Evermore, the law must prepare the way for the gospel to overlook this in instructing souls is almost certain to result in false hope, the introduction of false standard of Christian experience, and to fill the church with false converts. That's exactly what we have today, because we have backed away from preaching and teaching the role of the law, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Uh, another quote, the highest service to which a man may obtain on earth is to preach the law of God. Dwight L. Moody said, God being a perfect God had to give a perfect law. And that law was given not to save man, but to measure them. Wow. How powerful. John Wesley said, before I preach love, mercy, and grace, I must preach sin, law, and judgment. He also said, preach 90% law and 10% grace. Now, You know as well as I do that that, that's not what you're hearing in church today. What you're hearing in church today is about 90% grace and 10% law, if that. If you may not be hearing anything about the law of God, you may be hearing a prosperity uh, teaching, doctrine, that God just wants to bless you. Now obviously as I look at the role of the law and what these ministers and evangelists said this is not how you build a mega church I mean forget it this is not going to fill a church with 10,000 people every Sunday morning I'm sorry it's not going to do it if this kind of preaching about the law of God now do I expect preachers to pull up their pants and do this to address the issue to to get past the issue the issue is not legalism, not today, not in America. The issue is rebellion. Now, do I expect preachers to address this issue? Well, you know, as I look at the Scripture and what the Bible says about the ministry of our landscape, I have my I have my doubts. Isaiah 56 and verse 10 says, His watchmen are blind, they are all ignorant, they are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, loving, uh, lying down, loving to slumber. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about the watchmen, the men that should know better, the men who sh- who look at our society and realize it's going to hell in a handbasket. It's, it's like, you know, that country western song, a snowball hit it down. Well, I forget what it is. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I think it was Merle Haggard. But, you know, we're going down the drain is what I'm saying. And so the watchmen are to look at the direction that America is going, and they are to, they should, they're supposed to be on the high tower, warning the people, not preaching a prosperity doctrine or whatever. But Isaiah 56 and verse 11 continues on and says, yea, it reveals a motive for preaching this watered down pablum, this. This garbage that you hear, which is nothing more than a pep rally just to make people feel good about themselves so they can go another week feeling good about themselves. Just a pep rally. Just a social club is really all churches are. They're just a social club. There's not really anything going on other than a social club. Well, this reveals the motive here. Isaiah 56 and verse 11. Yea, they are greedy dogs, uh-oh, which can never have enough. They, and they are shepherds that cannot understand they all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. It's sad. It really is. It sort of reveals, you know, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. And I am I guess grateful, although I complain about it to God a lot, but I'm I'm grateful that my ministry does not consist of your money. I mean, I have a full-time job, and this is something I do on the side, and I don't get paid for it. So You know, I can preach whatever I want to preach, and it's not dependent on a salary. It's not dependent on my salary being pulled out from under me or anything like that. So I am grateful in that area, and Paul was a tent maker, by the way. Uh, He had his job also, but, you know, I look at this. They are greedy dogs which can never have enough. I don't know. You know, the only thing I can say is our prayers need to be for the ministry of this landscape of, of America, Because as you watch sometimes when I call the Sunday morning comedy hour, you realize, okay, this is not getting the job done. You see some of those people on TV, some of the buffoons that you see on TV, and you realize, you know, is this the best God can do? Is this the message that needs to be heard today? Is the issue today really legalism? Or is the issue in America rebellion? that we have turned our backs on God. We are a rebellious type of people. And you know, it's a it's a, a fascinating passage in Jeremiah 23 and verse 21. He says, God says, look, I have not sent these prophets, and yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. In other words, these preachers, and we don't know how many there are that dot the landscape of America, but God says, look, I didn't send them. I didn't you know, I didn't call them to preach or anything like that. And yet they're out there prophesying. They're out there preaching. And he said, God says of these preachers that he didn't call. He says, but if they, yeah, these false uh, ministers had stood in my council and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doing. Now this is fascinating to think about that you could have God says, Look, I can work with people that I never I can work with men that I've never even called to the ministry. And if if they would just get up and speak the word of God, if they would just preach, well, what is it that they need to preach? What is it that they need to be preaching? Is it a prosperity doctrine? Is that what we need to hear? Is it an occupational ministry that, okay, a person just gets paid to be a minister. You know, maybe the solution is to fire or quit paying all the ministers that dot the landscape. Maybe that's the answer. So what is it that they need to be preaching? Well, let's turn to uh, Isaiah to answer that question. Isaiah 8 and verse 20 tells us, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. How do you know if you're in a dud church? Well, the scripture answers the question. To the law, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches that dot this landscape that would fit into this category. And yeah, I mean, the Bible addresses the issue of legalism, yeah. That was the world that Jesus came into. But the Bible also addresses, from Genesis to Revelation, it addresses the issue of rebellion. It's always been the issue. The main issue has always been rebellion. You know, the two trees in the garden, eat this one, don't eat that one, rebellion. And it just goes through the entirety of the Bible. It is the heart of man that has to be brought to a conviction of the law of God. And once they have been brought to a conviction, and how are you going to be brought to a conviction of the law of God? Well, you've got to preach it. And once people are brought to that conviction that I am a sinner, they see this is the purpose of the law of God, to show what God's standard of morality is and to show that, okay, you know, I, I've, I've missed the boat here. I'm not living by God's standard. And to bring a person to conviction by preaching the law, which allows them to for the need for grace, I need God's grace. I need to surrender to God in unconditional surrender. And by his power, the power of God's grace, turn my life around. That instead of being a rebel, I can be obedient to God's law and keep his commandments. Oh, how I love thy commandments, the psalmist. I think it was David that said that. So pray for the ministry across our landscape. You know, you could say pray for America. I tell you. A better prayer is to be praying for the preachers, the 450,000 churches and the 650,000 preachers because they're not measuring up. We're not measuring up. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is is that really in the Bible? Dot net.